Hello from the members of First United Methodist Church in Royce City. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you find it meaningful and relevant. You're invited to join us for worship anytime, and you can learn more about our worship options, location, and small group opportunities by visiting our website, fumcroycecity.org. May God bless you as you listen to His Word proclaimed. God, soak my, soak my heart in the sermon I have prepared. Lord, prepare the hearts of those listening. Father, grant me your anointing. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Today I'm going to be reading from 1 Samuel 1, 1 through 8. It's a familiar story. There was a certain man from Ramatham, a Sufite from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanan, son of Jeroham and son of Elihu, the son of Jehu the son of Sup and Ephraimite. Did you all get that? You can call the office to get all the names, okay? He had two wives. One was called Hannah and the other one Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah had none. Year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hopini and Phineas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Whenever the day came for Elkanan to sacrifice, he would give portions of meat to his wife, Penina, and to all his sons and daughters, but to Hannah, he gave a double portion. And the Bible says, because he loved her. Because he loved her. He gave her a double portion. The Lord had closed Hannah's womb. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Her husband, Elkanan, will say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? And then he will ask, don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Don't I mean more to you than what you're missing, than what you're desiring? And in this case, it was a son. We all know how this particular story ends, and it ends according to the way that, that the prophet had uh, prophesied um, all the way down to Jesus. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Some people say the secret to happiness is to want what you already have. How many of us can truly say with C.S. Lewis, the character in Shadowland, you know, I don't want to be somewhere else anymore. 
I'm not waiting for anything new to happen. I'm not looking around the next corner on over the hill. I am here now. That's enough. Instead of unhappiness, finding us wanting a life we don't have, in this, this, uh, in this particular case is, is content. Uh, we're lacking content. We feel that society feels that it's lacking so many things, and Christians are right together with society. We're not any better. The easiest love are the ones we don't have. Our neighbor's grass grows greener as we keep staring at it. If our desire could remain on our own property, we will be happier. We will be better, love the life we have. Only if we could, whatever it was, have whatever we are seeking, whatever we're wanting. I will never forget the moment when I knew, after a long time in prayer, that God was answering no to my prayer. It was something that I really wanted, something I had prayed for and even prepared for its arrival. I had suffered enough in life. I think that I had paid my dues or at least some of them. Surely what I was praying for was coming. I knew all the right words. I, you know, behaved correctly. Uh, I, I was doing the work of the Lord. But one morning in prayer, he told me no. And the no was final and clear. I had always been very close to verse 1 of Samuel and the whole story of Hannah. This story had helped me make critical decisions that affected my family. And the Lord had looked upon me with kindness and had shown me his favor. What did I miss? Why am I getting this no now? You know, I didn't plan for that. I, I you know, I was right on track. I, I was side by side with Hannah, praying and crying. But he said no. Then one morning during prayer again, that after saying no, I was so sad. I cried. I got mad. I will go to my prayer chair because I have a prayer chair. <laughs> but will not speak. I will sit down and go like this. I wasn't speaking. I was really mad and I was disappointed. But you see, even when I don't speak to the Lord, I still go to my prayer share. I knew that he would meet me there no matter what. I knew that I, in there, I was loved like a father loves a spoiled child until the tantrum had passed, and the tantrum passed. Then I heard him say, Francis, am I not better to you than what I was wanting? And as in a whisper, he told me that I had spent too much time 
holding on to something I was never meant to have. After months of presenting my request, he gently told me, let it go. At first, I didn't realize his plans were better than my own. You know how it is. Moments of heartache left me wondering why he would take away this opportunity that I wanted so much. I wrongfully believed that if he could, if he could give me what I was asking, things would be better. And wrongfully again believed that he wasn't understanding. You know how it is, you know? I, I, I had not explained it enough, you know? Uh, there's always that gap, you know, like, like the generation gap, the gap between the God and humans, you know. I, I just felt, I, I don't, you know, maybe I didn't explain it enough, you know. Down here, things are different, Lord. But his no was firm, final, and deliberate. He had understood. It seemed that he was not giving me what I wanted, like I thought he should, and like he had done in the past. And hmm, I wasn't okay with that. When we are forced to let go of something, something we really long for, whether it's taken away or it seems that it will never be given when we hear that no. Grief is a natural response to the no. We're humans and we grieve and how we grieve, the Lord completely understands. Some of you might think that, you know, how can I be mad at God because I didn't get what I wanted, you know, yes. I can get mad at God. God knows my heart, and he knows that even when I get angry, I'm not doubting who he is. I'm not doubting that he's almighty. I'm not doubting that he holds the world in his hands. I'm not doubting who he is. I'm just mad at my father. It's just that simple. He knew that my response would be just like that. Just like your response, if you hear that final no, and you just, for a few days, shut down, and you just don't want to speak with God. Well, I, I just, no, I have nothing to say. I continued to go to my prayer share because I felt that I needed to. I, I knew that, that, that. God knew my heart, and but boy, I was mad, you know. And I sat there, and you know. But little by little, I start feeling this peace, you know, and I start feeling um, arms around me, um, not only in in, in uh, uh, consolation of 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 the loss that I was uh, mourning but also in telling me it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. 
When we're forced to let go of something we really long for, whether it's taken away or it seems it will never be given, grief is a natural response. The weight of disappointment is crushing. It can be overwhelming and take it takes time to process it. God knows better than we do, and his no is always merciful, but it hurts. He shows us mercy, and he comes and holds us, and the Holy Spirit brings words of comfort to our mind, but it hurts. Here is when my trust was tested. Did I trust God enough to live the rest of my life without what I was asking for? Because I understood that the no was final, that there was nothing I could say. I had no ships to bargain, you know? Nothing I can sacrifice. I, I, I don't believe in that, but... Uh, you know how it is. The Lord says, I don't want sacrifices. I want a contrite heart. So I have nothing. I knew that it was gone. Maybe the Lord thought this question that he was asking me was necessary. Maybe in my praying and my wanting this situation to turn my way I had turned this way away from his plan for me. So maybe the Lord thought this question that is here today, maybe he's asking you the same question. Maybe he is saying, Mary, Joe, Susie, fill the blank with your name. Am I not better to you than blank? What is it that you're holding on so desperately to that you are not even listening to what the Lord is saying to what the Holy Spirit is ministering to you. Am I not better to you than a promotion at work? Am I not better to you than going into debt because even though your car is working fine, you think you like that color. Well, that's me. <laughs> you, you go in a different direction and get into debt, you know. Maybe you're thinking that if you have the land of the guy next door, that would be it, and you can die in peace, and, you know, you just, that's all you need. You know, that's all you need. Maybe you think that if you win the lottery, that it's going to solve all your problems, and that's all you need. There's always something that you're holding to. Something that little by little, is, it's, it's coming up and it's taking possession of your heart. You're starting to treasure it. You're using it as an idol. 
even if you don't realize it. Which is why the question is so important, and I, in the program I left it, I left the two blanks. In your quiet time, sit down and ask yourself that question. Is the Lord not better to you than whatever you're asking for? The panic I felt over being led in a different direction gave me a clear picture of the state of my heart. I was more concerned with not getting what I wanted than seeing where God wanted me. C.S. Lewis wrote, and I quote, We're not necessarily doubting that God will do the best for us. We're wondering how painful the best will turn out to be. How much out of my comfort box is he going to ask me to step out? How much is he going to ask me to give? How much is he going to ask me to serve? I already serve enough. How much is he going to ask me to, to have a more um, steady discipline of prayer? How more is he going to ask of me to be more patient? to talk less about others, to repent of my envy and jealousy. How painful is what the Lord gonna ask of me going to be? And if he's asking you to do something that is not what you're doing now, it's gonna hurt. God always has our ultimate good in mind which means he will pry the idols we have created and those we follow from our own hands. He knows better than we do, and his no is always merciful, even when it hurts. He is for us, fighting against what will keep us from him. Romans 8.31 he knows our heart can only be truly satisfied with himself. John 4, 14. I have paraphrased these two verses. He will not tolerate being second in our lives because he wants us to have something so much better than what the world can offer. Isn't that amazing? So much better. That the world can offer just for us. And when God takes something away, he creates space in our lives for more of him. When I mention the idols, idols are many, are very easy to make, very easy. An idol can be the TV, an idol can be uh, TikTok, uh, Facebook, 
some, uh, uh, some other thing in, in that. I, I don't know the names. But an idol can be something where you're spending a lot of your time, a, a lot of your care. You know, an idol can be something that you treat better than you treat your family. An idol can be talking to your friends but not calling your sister, your brother, your cousin that you know that is not doing well. An idol can be losing yourself in the mall while you could have gone and visited a friend that hasn't been doing very well. Whether it is a physical illness, an emotional illness, even a psychological illness, sometimes just saying, hey, I came by, I was sorry I didn't announce myself, and I won't stay long. I just want to tell you, you were on my mind, I've been praying for you, and I love you. I just miss the things we used to do, or missed you in church, missed coffee, you know, miss, miss seeing you in the family gatherings, just the touch of your presence in their lives. When we do other things and we don't do the things that are right in front of us, the things that can benefit others, that's an idol. So when God asks you, Am I not better for you than blank? It is a sign you're putting too much emphasis on what you don't have rather than on what you have already. Imagine the Lord of Lords, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit asking you, asking me, Francis, am I not enough for you? Just, it just takes my heart when I read those words because I do see him in my mind. I'm a visual person, so I do see him in my mind asking me, am I not enough? Have I been faithful enough? Hasn't my character spoken for me enough? Are you not trusting me with uh, eternity? But I'm not enough for you right here. The same thing I give to you. The Lord of Lords, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are asking you today, is he not doing enough for you? Is he not enough? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, as we leave this place today, reveal to us in our quiet meditation time what we're holding to that prevents us from getting to where you will want us to be and to be what you have created us to be. This I pray in the name of your son, Jesus our Lord and Redeemer. Amen.